0: The title of my talk is The Search for Orthodoxy. But in fact, that so many people have come here today has already approved that there is such a thing as the search for orthodoxy right the present time. Those who don't have it are looking for it. Those who do have it are looking to go deeper into it. I'd like to give a little like, historical background to what is happening now and then hopefully we can continue some of the discussion and start after Father Alex's talk. That it's very fruitful for us to be thinking about this, reflecting about this, think how we can be participating in helping people to find out more about Orthodox faith and ourselves to be deeper. Our times, the second half of the 20th century, in general, we might call a time of spiritual search. <clears throat> Many people are dissatisfied, whether with various forms of Christianity, with non Christian religions. Or with atheism, unbelief, and all those currents of despair which are going about in our world now. Many people are hoping against hope that there is more to life, more to spiritual reality than they have found so far. Therefore, these are the ones who are in the process of searching. More and more of these searchers are finding what they're looking for in the Orthodox Church useful for us to think for a moment that the people searching for orthodoxy are not just here and not just in one or two places, but actually all over the world. First of all, one of the striking places where people are searching for orthodoxy is in Africa. The peoples of Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, Zaire, and the other mission fields, are finding orthodoxy to be what they call the true old religion, is against the very sect and cult of modern Africa. Another place people are searching is Russia. There is a real revival going on, especially among the young people, not only in Russia, also in Romania and other communist countries, who are finding in orthodoxy fresh air, as opposed to the stale atheism which they have, and a recontact with their historical past after 60 years of tyranny under the domination of atheism. Another place where people are searching for orthodoxy is in Greece, where for the first time in this century, in the last three or four years, the number of monks and not Athos has been increasing because of the numbers of young people among the Greek people who are finding their roots once again in orthodoxy. In America we see it, both among the old and the young, people weary of the ruthless and arbitrary teachings of contemporary Protestantism, discovering that there is a real and profound Christianity in orthodoxy. Roman Catholics are finding, in the midst of their own disintegrating church structure, that orthodoxy is actually what they once thought they had when they were Roman Catholics. And young Jews also, especially in the Soviet Union, but also in the free world, are increasingly finding the answer to the spiritual vacuum of today among, among their people in being converted to orthodoxy. And there are many other people throughout the world who are coming to the Orthodox faith, in these days which we call the latter days. What does this mean for us who are already Orthodox? We who have already found the end of our search in the Orthodox faith must be aware of these searches and of what can one can actually call a literal movement towards Orthodoxy that is occurring throughout the world today. It is still comparatively small, some places with only a trickle, but it is already becoming one of the signs of our time. Something which for us is both inspiring and sobering and can help us to survive as Orthodox Christians in these terrible times. Let us look a little closer at this movement and see what we can learn from it. And more importantly, how we can respond to it positively and help. Let us ask the question, what is inspiring, motivating this search for Orthodoxy in so many different parts of the world? The first obvious thing which, especially in the last five or ten years, has become quite a subject of general discussion, is the search for roots. <clears throat> Our contemporary mankind is so uprooted that this is a psychological reaction which is quite natural. In Russia, this search is obvious, it's bound up with the fact that for 60 years and more, the people have been deprived of their historical roots. And therefore, once they begin finally to wake up from this, the natural thought is to go back to what was before 1917. And that means Orthodoxy, in fact, in a surprising number of cases it means Tsar, old Russia, old Russia, and so on. <clears throat> Something similar is happening on a smaller scale in Greece, where the young people are beginning to reject the modern Westernism, which has poisoned the Greek society for the past century. And they're finding their roots in the Orthodox past of Greece, and especially in its monasticism and Mount Athos and other places. Then we think about Africa, and here we wonder how can the Africans find their roots in Christianity, because they're all pagans. Back until a hundred years ago, nobody was even pre- preaching any kind of Christianity in Africa. Least least be Africa below the Sahara. As surprising as it may seem to us, Orthodoxy and Christianity in general they're growing faster in Africa than anywhere else in the world. And in a matter of some years, Africa will become the leading Christian continent both a number of believers, and even more in the fervor of their faith. America and South America and Europe, the old countries which once thought they were Christian, they are going to be second place to Africa. The second century Christian writer Tertullian says that the human soul by nature is Christian. And this is proving true in the eagerness of the people of Africa to accept the gospel of Christ which has only been preached there, as i said, for these last hundred years or so. <clears throat> Many people have been attracted so far in Africa to Roman Catholicism and various Protestant sects. But those who are really speaking for the roots of Christianity are finding Orthodoxy. Perhaps not all of you know about the story of the two Anglican seminarians in the 1920s. They're both still alive. One is now a bishop in Uganda. Another one is a priest, a married man. And they sought for the true old Christianity. They found that the Anglicanism in their seminary and in contemporary England was not the same as the gospel preached in the first centuries. It did not accord with the ecumenical council which they were studying and the whole history of the church. And their search for Orthodoxy was so deep that this, all this didn't bother them. And they finally came, and there was a, finally a patriarch willing to receive them. They came into the Orthodox Church. And today, it's a very flourishing mission, and especially the Grand King, the also. Spreading towards the West, although there have several missions opened up in Ghana and the West, and Nigeria. People are asking about it, what he talks about. <laughs> these people, already in these few years, have obtained quite a remarkable um, synthesis, you might say. They use the Greek chant. We have even a record this then, the Bishop of Pompalatin, a record of their singing, it's a very inspiring singing. It's Greek, basically, Greek music. Everybody sings and so it puts their heart into it and it sounds like real um, heartfelt things is going on there. But the people who have been there, it, it's extremely dignified, very Orthodox, just like in the old country. And it's all who have the whole issue of Orthodox word, devoted. You can see pictures there of their priests and their clergy and their and Of course, all this occurs in conditions of great poverty, it's a great luxury to them if they can have a tin roof on their, on their churches. There are very few stone churches, where they're building a few more now. In America, the same question of the need for roots is obvious because in America the Protestant sects are divided up into a hundred or a thousand different groups based upon various personalized interpretation, interpretations of the scripture. This all points to the need to return to the original undivided Christianity, which is Orthodox. Just in the past few years, more and more Protestants have been finding their way to the church. There's even a group organized as the Evangelical Orthodox Church. She's come all the way from the Billy Graham-type campus crusade in the 1950s, like these men were the ones who are now called bishops in this group, were all workers in this campus crusade in the 1950s. They came to see the need for sacraments, for hierarchy, historical continuity with the past, and although they're still quite far from the Pilgrims of orthodoxy, they're traveling in that direction. They're only one group among many people who are searching this way. This movement has still much to say, that is it's not just this group, it's calling itself the Evangelical Orthodox Church, but the whole group of people, there are many others, and it's, it's quite a bit, it's, it's a growing movement, it's quite advanced. Therefore, there'll be many more people interested in this, and we are the ones who you will know, be able to give them what they need. <clears throat> in many different places, in many different ways, people today are searching and finding the roots of Christianity in precisely in the Orthodox Church. Things which we as Orthodox take for granted are sometimes astonishing discoveries for them. The Splendor of our divine services, coming down from ancient times, so suited to the need of the human soul to worship God in spirit and in truth, the depth of the spiritual teaching contained in the writings of our Holy Fathers, the continuity with the past of Christianity, since we trace our beginnings not to some more or less recent teacher, but to Christ himself and his apostles, and our bishops and priests received their ordination in the direct line going back to the apostles, If we ourselves having these roots are leading a conscious Christian life, we can be of tremendous help through those who are weary of personalized interpretations of Christianity. and want with all their hearts to get back to the true Christianity of ancient times, which is the Orthodox Church. This is one thing, the search for roots. Second thing motivating people today in their search for Orthodoxy is what we might call stability. The Orthodox with the, with the sects of our own day in such ferment, new sects are popping up every day. And even the once uniform Roman Catholic Church is falling to pieces, searching for its own identity. In the midst of this kind of religious ferment, the unchanging of the teaching and practice of Orthodoxy over centuries is a very impressive witness to its apostolic origin and its uncompromising standing of truth, not giving in to every new wind of doctrine. It is true that we Orthodox have a problem with the modernists and ecumenists in our midst. But even with them, such a thing as the new morality or situation ethics, so fashionable today, would be quite unthinkable. And the jazz masses and other blasphemies perpetrated in the name of making the church up to date and relevant will be rejected by any Orthodox congregation. When the Living Church movement began in Russia in the 1920s, it had the full support of the communist government with the aim of adapting the church to the realities of the time the way we would be considered today rather conservative than most standards. It was the people themselves who refused to accept it. Back In fact, at that time, mid-1920s, most of the churches in Russia, which help helping the government, were leading churches, orthodox for the minority of churches. The instinct for preserving what is ancient, dignified, and generally respected what has been handed down in the church from generation to generation is so strong in orthodoxy that to lose it is really the same as losing one's orthodoxy. This kind of stability and continuity with the past is unheard of almost every any race out in the contemporary world. And it makes orthodoxy a rock of refuge in our troubled times. And if one realizes that the source of this stability is the unchanging truth which the church has received and passed on from generation to generation, from the time of Christ and his apostles to our own day, then it is no wonder that it is attracting souls who are hungry most of all for truth. The truth that comes from God and gives meaning and a point of anchor. To all those thoughts about him the see of his life. This is the second point. First, the third for root, Second, stability of the Orthodox faith. But probably the deepest and most attractive thing about Orthodoxy today is its message of love. The most discouraging thing about today's world is that it has become so cold and heartless. In the Gospel, our Lord tells us that a leading characteristic of the last time will be that the love of many will grow cold. The Apostle of Love, St. John, the theologian, has said that the chief distinguishing mark of Christians is the fact that they have love one for another. The most influential Orthodox teachers of recent times have been those most filled with love who attract people to the riches of the Orthodox faith by their own example of overflowing, self-sacrificing love. One can think of St. John of Kronstadt, St. Nectarius of Pentapolis, St. Costums of Aetolia two centuries ago, and our own Archbishop John of St. Francisco. But being aware of these qualities these three at least these three things i mentioned we can mention other things also There is the search for root sensibility the message of love these things are the chief among the chief things that attract people to orthodox today being aware of them will help us to be ourselves better orthodox christians better able to help those who are now coming in search. but i have to say a word of warning we have our orthodox faith this precious thing we see many people searching for it, some people finding it, but we have to remind ourselves that there is nothing automatic about finding and keeping the Orthodox faith. We can also fall away from it, or we can give such a poor example of it that it's barren and fruitless, which tires neither ourselves nor anybody else. And a seeker can find the Orthodox faith and not really enter into its life. Let us therefore look at a few of the mistaken approaches to Orthodoxy that prevent us from being truthful Orthodox Christians and witnesses to those who are searching. This word is addressed both to those who are Orthodox Christians of long standing, those who are new converts, and those who are seekers coming close to Orthodoxy and perhaps have not yet made their mind of the church. One big mistake we can make about our Orthodoxy is being too loose or liberal about it. This is a problem that comes basically from ignorance. Some Orthodox people think that the Orthodox Church is nothing more than the Russian or Greek equivalent of the Episcopalian Church. With such an idea, of course, one is not going to try very hard to bring anyone to the faith. This is the air of the ecumenical movement, which arranges meetings and conferences of non-Orthodox Christians, not with the aim of bringing them to the true faith of Orthodoxy, but on the basis of worldly friendship, in order to speak of some of the secondary things we have in common with them, but to gloss over the differences that separate us, an awareness of which might make these people eager to accept the Orthodox faith. This is not to say that all meetings between Orthodox and non-Orthodox Christians, even on an official level, are wrong. But only that as ordinary practice, these meetings are not an Orthodox witness to the non-Orthodox as they should be. With all respect to the views of the non-Orthodox, we are not living our Orthodox faith rightly if we do not make others somehow aware that Orthodoxy is deep which does not mean need to mean arguments and polemics about aspects of the faith. Like Alex C. earlier spoke about the harmful effect of simply arguing about the faith. When it comes down to arguing, it means already you've lost the point. Very little hope that you're going to get getting the front. <coughs> the very way one leads one's orthodox life, if one is serious about fulfilling the commitment to being an orthodox Christian, is already a beginning of a witness to others. A second mistake, which also involves a loose view of orthodoxy <coughs> is a common one among Orthodox converts. This is what one might call weaving fantasies about orthodoxy and living in them instead of in the real world. Perhaps some of you have heard the expression "crazy converts." This is actually uh, an affectionate term. It refers, actually devised by converts, to refer to fellow converts, and it refers not only to Americans. Uh, Westerners, it refers also to Russians. In fact, in <coughs> Russia, exactly the same problems occur with the new converts. <coughs> Most of those who are serious Orthodox Christians today are to some degree converts, having discovered or rediscovered Orthodoxy after a period of searching. And the converts, in many places besides America, fall into this category. This phrase expresses a definite pitfall we can all easily fall into. Trying to lead an Orthodox life with our feet not firmly enough planted on the ground. In the earlier generations of converts in America, 20 or 30 years ago, this sometimes took the form of rather unorthodox ideas, sometimes very bizarre, or eclectic mixtures of orthodoxy with other religious ideas. Nowadays, when there are so many more sources in English, so many more churches, priests who speak English, we are generally much more careful about preserving orthodoxy in our ideas. And therefore, the fantasies we have take the four and more of exalted ideas about spiritual life, missionary activity, and the like, with very little realization of the humble spiritual state in which they're actually located. There are would-be desert dwellers who can't pass through a week of obedience in ordinary monasteries, one example. There are those who dream about exalted state of prayer, with prayer ropes, and Jesus' prayer, who, oh, when the slightest provocation comes, they start throwing things or spitting to people, disagreeing, and showing that they have no spiritual attainment whatsoever. There are those who, in the missionary spirit, dream of converting whole cities or states or provinces, and they're barely able to get along with the people around. Them, and so forth. There is nothing wrong with all these dreams. <clears throat> Such things have indeed inspired Orthodox struggles throughout the centuries. But the dreams must be combined with a concrete resolve to lead the Orthodox life from day to day in the simplest way. And then these dreams can become fruitful. One of our Russian bishops, speaking on the basis of his own sometimes bitter experience, he translated the word convert to Pigeon Russian as converti. which would be the most easiest equivalent in Russian. Converti in Russian means envelope. He says that there's nothing wrong with converti. The problem is they become unglued to each <laughs> other. That's a very, actually, true observation about us compared to We have to learn more through experience the daily struggle of keeping and developing Orthodox faith. And then even the biggest dreams one might have can come into reality and become fruitful to ourselves and others. There's a two pitfall. One, the liberalism, doesn't, even be aware of the distinctiveness of Orthodox. The second one, the fantasy. Third one, sort of the opposite of the second one, this is a mistake of people who have found orthodoxy, but <clears throat> make out of it something which is cold, formal, exact, clinging to some kind of officialness, though our religion is chiefly something of ceremonies, pomp, official meetings, official statements, and all of this official level. This was precisely the mistake of the chief priests and Pharisees in the time of Christ. As long as the church is well organized, as long as nothing is done without official permission from higher authority, as long as the church services are properly performed and sufficiently impressive, one can forget the teaching of the gospel and crucify Christ himself. That's exactly what the chief priests and Pharisees did, they the of their time. Often this kind of cold formalism is bound up with an idle and indifferent view towards the orthodox struggle. Why try so hard? Why bother to help us? Why should we put our heart in this orthodox action? This is the kind of orthodoxy that is often presented at ecumenical gatherings, and it's precisely the kind that does not affect a fact of converts to the faith. I recently met a Protestant, rather fervent himself in his own faith, whose contact with the Orthodox for years had been limited to this official type of orthodoxy. And he was astonished and very pleased when he found out that the heart of orthodoxy is not there at all, but so is in the evangelical fervor which may be seen in all our great things. But if think about St. Nectarius in our own senses, St. John of Cronstadt, Archbishop John, they all have exactly the same evangelical spirit. This cold, official side It's the opposite of this idle dreaming, but it can be a, it can take these idle dreams and look its nose down at them and make you think that it's not worth having any kind of dream. But that means you just kill off the Orthodox faith. Exactly what the chief priests and Pharisees did. You keep that image, in fact, so much in the Gospel you read the gospel readings for every day, I think almost half the readings of the year, you'll be finding statements about the chief priests and Pharisees and scribes, what they were doing to Christ, and how they were looking at the purely formal side of the church as an organization and not the body of Christ. And the fourth pitfall or danger I'd like to mention is one that one might call the fortress mentality. We have found the truth of orthodoxy, the times are so hard so bad that our chief activity now is to defend orthodoxy against all the enemies. Often this mentality goes overboard in finding betrayers, heretics, and everything else in the midst of orthodox Christians themselves. And very often it is so concerned with its own correctness and the incorrectness of others that it is very little strength left to preach the gospel of salvation, even to the orthodox, let alone to those outside the church. Because orthodoxy is indeed the correct teaching and the correct worship of God, this temptation is very easy to fall into. But we must remember that Christ himself was constantly accused of being incorrect by the chief priests and Pharisees of his time. And we have to recall that correctness in itself is nothing, and can even cause us to lose our soul. We do not have, first of all, something much more fundamental and deep, the one thing needful for our salvation. This one thing needful we might call living faith. And it is inseparable from something which is also lacking in the church today the evangelical fervor. If we have found the true faith after our own often arduous search, we cannot help but want others to share. In America, although this may seem at first sight a little strange, in America we are very fortunate that our church is small in numbers. The vast majority around us has nothing to do with the church. This is fortunate because we cannot help but notice how many people are outside the church, how many are searching for the truth, how many need us to be fervent witnesses of the Orthodox. And this forces us, if we wish to be doing God's work, to reach out to them and make the message of Orthodoxy understandable to them. In Greece, on the other hand, exactly the only is officially Orthodox country left, where the population is almost entirely Orthodox, there are no non Orthodox seekers to reach out to. The result is that when one has zeal and fervor, one reaches out to somebody and it's a different group. And therefore, the whole of Greece is fighting each other over the definition of Orthodoxy. We are relieved of that, of that kind of attitude, because we have so many people who need us to simply give them the teaching of orthodoxy without going through all the fight. People today are searching for the truth, searching for Christ, searching for orthodox. We who are already orthodox are in a position to, to give help to them. We have to be aware, first of all, the time is very late. One does not have to be a prophet to recognize that our times are apocalyptic. Even secular historians talk about that these times are apocalyptic. The economic and political life of even the most stable civilized countries is in a very precarious state. We might see overnight changes, even right here in America, that would be comparable to the changes that came over Russia after 1917. And a prosperous God-fearing country was turned into a great prison and an experiment in building a new humanity without the idea of God. Preparations for the coming of Antichrist. Today, weapons exist which could destroy destroy the whole of mankind. Unbelief, which is like a disease a cancer, has eaten so deeply into contemporary people, not only in the communist countries, just as much in the free world, that everyday life even becomes dangerous. In any big city in America, one can be attacked with the street. One's next-door neighbor can be a murderer, even a mass murderer. No country really tries anymore to live by Christian principles. All of politics is heading in the direction of a one-world government, which cannot be anything but universal slavery. In the midst of prosperous America, thousands of ordinary citizens are storing food and preparing to defend it with guns against the disasters they expect to come any day now. Like you can read in popular bookstores, all kinds of books about the disasters of the 1980s, and so forth. But we Orthodox Christians are not a people without hope. We have a God who protects us in the midst of the most terrible misfortunes and disasters. We do not need to devote our energy to storing up food for the hard times ahead. But a Christian must be constantly preparing himself, especially in such uncertain times as ours, and overnight might be deprived, as believers were in Russia, of religious literature, and even Bible. Therefore, what should we be doing if we really believe that Orthodox Christianity is the faith revealed by God for our salvation? How can we keep alive in ourselves the faith which we have found? And how can we make it accessible to the searchers of today, who soon, I can tell you, will be in the thousands, even here in our unbelieving America? Here are a few of the things which we can be doing. As we can discuss these things, we can talk about other aspects of other things. First of all, we must become informed about our faith. This is our preparation, not stirring up food with a gun, becoming informed of the faith. The process of Orthodox education does not end with baptism. Baptism, it really begins. St. John Chrysostom has said that the Christian who is not reading spiritual books cannot be saved. A Shocking thing, because it applies to places where there are spiritual books to read. In Russia, your sufferings in the prison take the place of spiritual books. Attaining the Kingdom of Heaven by the grace of God is a task that takes our whole life long. Must be constantly filling ourselves with the word of god the holy scripture and other orthodox literature so that as saint seraphim said we will be swimming in the law of the lord the science that is the law of the lord which is the science of how to please god and save our souls it will become a deep part of ourselves and cannot be taken away from the process of orthodox education begins at in infancy with the simplest bible stories of lives of saints related by one's parents and it should not cease until we come to the grave. <coughs> if anyone learning an earthly procession profession devotes all his energy to studying and gaining practice, in it, how much more should Christians be studying and preparing for eternal life, the kingdom of heaven which is ours for a short struggle in this life? People in places where the Bible is forbidden, and Orthodox literature is almost unheard of, contemporary Russia, Romania, and so forth are shocked when they see how much time and effort we in the free world waste on idle pursuit. We they have such a richness of opportunity to learn about our orthodox faith. It is as though we are hypnotized by the good things of this life into a state of not seeing the eternal life which is in front of us. It is long past time for us to wake up and begin to learn and understand. Point one, we must become informed about our orthodox faith. Secondly, once we are learning of the orthodox faith, We must be ready, as the Apostle Peter teaches, to give an account of it to those who may ask. Nowadays, there is no one who has not asked at some time about his faith. Very noticeable thing. Ten or twenty years ago, this was not noticeable. The last few years, many people become interested in Orthodox, in religion in general. We must make, therefore, our faith something deep, conscious, and serious, so that we ourselves know why we are Orthodox, and this will already be an answer to those outside the faith. And if we begin to ask, we simply explain why we are orthodox. Not just because we were baptized, somebody persuaded us, but because our parents were. And further, in our times of searching, we should be on the watch for those outside the church who are searching. We should be prepared to find them in the most unexpected place. See, it's a very good word, fortunately is appropriated by the Protestants today. We should be evangelical, that is, according to the gospel. And this does not mean just taking Bible verses into one's conversation. It does not mean simply asking everyone, Are you saved? It means living by the gospel, even with all our weaknesses and faults, living the Orthodox faith. Many outsiders just seen that we try to lead a life different from the pagan or semi pagan society around us and become interested in the faith just by this. Well, earlier when Father Alex was talking about Billy Graham. And I would like to say that actually Billy Graham is all right as far as he goes. He just doesn't go far enough. And nowadays, many Protestants are coming to some kind of a dead end because they've been awakened to the need for faith. They have, they have some kind of Christ, some kind of image of Christ, and they want him. And they find there's no place to go, no spiritual growth. They simply for teachings. They go back and get the same things over and over and again. There's no teaching of Holy Fathers. There's no interpretation of Scripture, which goes deeper than the opposite. Therefore, they simply have no place to go deeper. Therefore, persons who are converted by Billy Graham should the next stage go to Orthodox. And nowadays they are. There's only a few now, but more and more are we coming in years ahead of us. <clears throat> and third, two points, learning more about our faith, being ready to give an account of it and being evangelical. Third, being filled with the gospel teaching and trying to live by it, we should have love and compassion for the miserable people of our day. Probably never have people been more unhappy than the people of our day. For all the outward conveniences and gadgets our society provides People are suffering and dying for the lack of the God. And we can help give God to them. The love of many has truly grown cold in our days. But we, Orthodox Christians, should not, cannot be cold. And as long as Christ sends us to the great and warms our hearts, we do not need to be cold. But know someone who is living in a secure Orthodox that's because we can't believe the gospel is being fulfilled, because where he is, people are still warm-hearted. It's a very rare thing. If we ourselves are cold and indifferent, our response to the need for a Christian answer to those who are miserable is only, who cares? Let someone else do it. I don't feel like it. Too much for me. I want my comfort. In fact, the very phrases that have been heard from people who have been converted and baptized, the beginning with fervor and ending up with coldness. If we say things like this, not willing to sacrifice ourselves, then we Orthodox Christians are the salt that has lost its favor and is good for nothing but to be thrown out. In fact, I've heard an Orthodox person reproach Orthodox saying that they know Protestants who have more fervor for Christ than we Orthodox. But it's not a general rule, but it's a very sobering thing for us. People so who do not have the full teaching about Christianity only have some kind of beginning. Kindergarten level, they still have such fervor for Christ, and they're very real. They sacrifice themselves, they take in bungs off the streets, they go out and deliberately seek to help people. The Orthodox, we think we have the right faith, and we do very little of that. Our times are very difficult, especially difficult to preserve the spark of true Orthodoxy. But our faith, our Orthodoxy is that it has always been a suffering Orthodox. We use the phrase of St. Gregory theologian, lived in the time ran in the 4th century, the whole of Constantinople was given over to the area. Every church in Constantinople, including the main cathedral, belonged to the area. The thought that Christ is not God, therefore we have no salvation. And St. Gregory took one small church, and with his fervor, he converted the whole city, once more, to Orthodox. He saw that, because of all the doctrines that people heaped upon him, he saw that Orthodox indeed is only made real in the midst of suffering. In the midst of sufferings and struggles, preserving and living by our precious Orthodox faith, and seeing how much more people have to suffer and struggle for their Orthodox faith in other parts of the world. And we should think about Russia, how they suffer there. Think about Uganda, places where they're very poor. They need just basic clothes to wear. We have no shoes. Where they have very few people to instruct. The riches we have is unheard of. We have so many many books. just the uh, availability of the gospel, we have people who write to us from Nigeria. The whole town has been written to get gospels. Because they have no Bible, they have no New Testament. We have several people in Ghana who are now spreading Orthodox literature. The visit of that I wanted is a town in Ghana. A very fervent man, he's obviously what he needs is Orthodox. He's not too well informed yet. He's coming to precisely the Orthodox. Christ, he's very aware struggle, of suffering, preaching the gospel is a very similar way of doing it. He goes about, if he came to America, he gets money to buy a loudspeaker, a van. He goes about from village to village. He puts on music of some kind because he the people of Ghana, they like music. They hear the music in the village, they come out, and then he puts a loudspeaker and begins to give them a Billy Graham-type sermon. And they're converted. People are being converted quite readily, Ghana and things like that. He came here, and after visiting us, he said he can distribute Orthodox literature all over Ghana now help out, because he isn't quite aware yet how huh? deep it is, this, but he got some of the point about it. And we have another missionary also the same way, and what he is. He adds, to any kind of literature, we send him New Testament and Orthodox Word and Orthodox America, which he hands out to people in the villages of Ghana to read English. People who have been to school read English, rather have like their local language. Of course, in Russia, it's terribly difficult just to get the gospel, which is the most forbidden book. And people from there who tell us that you can even get the works of Solzhenitsyn, it's much easier than you can get a Bible. And if you're caught by the police, with a copy even of Gulag, Archipelago, or Solzhenitsyn, they say you can argue with the police. But it's actually an historical book, it's a literary book, and it isn't that bad. They have a Bible, they instantly put away. That, uh, that Bible, that book is considered apparently the most harmful thing so, so there can be induction, without a question, that there If there's something definitely to pass, the process Therefore, let us put a resolve into our hearts that we, who are aware of these things, will be among the strugglers, not among those who say, "Who cares? Let somebody else do it. I'm tired. I want my pleasures." Let us be among those who are struggling. Everything in this life passes away. Only one thing remains, God and His truth. And this is the only thing worth struggling for. Therefore, we have a choice to follow the ways of this world and the society that surrounds us. And you can do this very easily in the midst of the church. You can do it in an Orthodox parish. You can do it in an Orthodox seminary. You can do it in an Orthodox monastery. You can do it any place where there are orthodox people. You can go according to the ways of this world and not struggle, not sacrifice yourself. And thereby find yourself outside of God, like the chief priests and Pharisees, even though they were the ones who were the guardians of the church of their days. Or we can choose the way of life, that is, God who calls us and for whom our hearts is searching. Therefore, let us take the way of St. Herman. Put into our hearts the exalted chief uttered in these words. He said, the simple people who are discussing what is the most valuable thing in life for them, the most precious thing in life, one defined it as a beautiful wife, another as a, owning a nice ship. All of them had worldly ideas in mind. He said, there's only one thing worth struggling for This is God. Therefore, let us put the resolve on our hearts in this day, in this hour, from this minute, let us love God above all. Bien, ¿sabe